You're listening to The Patchwork Girl and Friends. I'm Kendra, and I love having interesting conversations with my friends about art, media, life, the universe, and everything. And that is what this podcast is all about. I'm so happy that my friend Stevie could come back today. Yay! Woo! And we're going to be talking about the various Disney parks around the world that have castles. We were having a very hard time narrowing down like what the topic is. <laughs> but between the two of us, we have been to all of the Disney parks in the world, right? Yes, I, I believe we have. <laughs> That's pretty good. Um, yeah. So for some people who may not have had the opportunity to go to some of the international ones, let's let's talk about it. I am really curious. Uh, Stevie, you want to start with Paris? Disneyland Paris has two parks. They have a Magic Kingdom, which we'll be talking more about today. And they also have uh, Hollywood Studios Park. It's very small, very quaint, but the the structure of Paris is just amazing. I um, The castle is the first castle, I believe, with prominent stained glass windows. They have a dragon that's underneath the, the castle, a, a very large animatronic that runs all day long. Words can't describe how much I, I like this park. If you just love landscapes and visuals of things, uh, you've got to see Disneyland Paris. It, it is so beautiful. What are some of the unique experiences that you can have at Disneyland Paris? I think there's some things that are kind of across the board, and there are some things you can only experience in these various parks. What are some of the special ones for Disneyland Paris? As I had mentioned before, they have a dragon underneath the castle that moves. That is something I haven't seen before, um, and it's amazing. On their main street, they have, behind their stores, they have a walkway that's indoors, which is really nice because if you're at the park and it's raining or there's bad weather, they have an indoor walkway. Um, that you can walk down Main Street to. That I have not seen before, and that's really nice. And their Haunted Mansion, completely different storyline from California and in Florida. They're, of course, the, the outside is different. It actually looks like an old rickety mansion, not like a, a um, one that's been refurbished and brand new and all that and um yes a completely different storyline kind of blew my mind and i can't wait to go back so i can re-experience that one is it in french do they talk in french or is there a lot of english at the park i would say that that french is the first language but they do sometimes alternate with english um so kendra tell me about Disney in Hong Kong. Disney in Hong Kong is very, very small, which makes sense because it's 
an island. <laughs> uh, but I didn't really know how small until I got there. There's a couple special things about Hong Kong Disney. One is that there is a special subway line that goes to Disney. And I really enjoyed riding on that because the seats are covered in this fabric that looks like stardust. And there's little figurines of some of the characters built into the walls. Um, the castle is was very, very tiny. But um, as you informed me, uh, I haven't been there in a while. And I think it was 2020, they refurbished the castle. So it is much taller and it looks really great. I... I hope I can go back sometime and see it in person because it's very different than any other castle. Before, it was just like a mini version of Aurora's Castle from the original Disneyland in California, but really tiny. I would say that the standout, unique experience in Hong Kong is the quote-unquote haunted mansion. I like that uh, when we were coming up with questions for this, you specifically asked about the haunted mansions, and I was so excited because I feel like that is a really big topic when talking about all the other Disney parks. In Hong Kong, it is not haunted. It has a very different theme. It is called Mystic Manor. It kind of has this backstory that it was built by this eccentric explorer. And he has this pet monkey named Albert. And he, the explorer, has gathered interesting um, artifacts from all over the world and put it in his house. And it is the same ride as the Haunted Mansion, same kind of setup of... It's not necessarily doom buggies. I don't remember what they're even called, but it's the same track. But instead of everything being haunted, what happens is the professor has this magical jade monkey staff, which plays into Chinese lore of there's this monkey king character who's very powerful and albert the little pet monkey opens the box and releases this magic spirit of the staff and the magic starts making everything move and so there are very similar elements uh to the haunted mansion but it's it's different and it's fun and it's very unique to Hong Kong. Another interesting thing about it is the Jungle Cruise is shorter, but pretty fun because it goes around Tarzan's treehouse, which is in the middle of this little lake. And at the very end of the Jungle Cruise, there is the, an awakening of this fire spirit or you could just say it's like a geyser meeting this wave of water. But there's this huge 
wave of water and smoke and fire and stuff. And that's pretty cool. That sounds so cool. (laughs) It is. It is pretty cool. (laughs) Is there more than one park at Hong Kong or is it just the Magic Kingdom park? It's just the Magic Kingdom. Oh. Um, It has some very fun resorts around it. It's pretty small. (laughs) Okay. All right. And then that, that makes sense if it's on an island. It's an interesting way to transition into Disney in Tokyo, Tokyo Disney. There's two parks. There's Tokyo Disneyland, and then there's Tokyo Disney Sea. So those are the only two parks that they have there. And Disney Sea is actually bordering on the ocean. So if you go to a certain land in Tokyo Disney Sea, you will actually see the Pacific Ocean. I'm pretty sure on that because I just, I remember being there and there's one part where I was able to look out and all I could see was ocean. It wasn't like it was a big lake or something. (laughs) So I'm pretty sure. And um, Tokyo Disneyland is simply amazing for the fact that I think their rides are the most advanced out of every Disney resort, at least the ones I've been to. I haven't been to either parks in China, so I can't say if how advanced the technology in their rides are compared to Tokyo. But Tokyo, they have rides where there is no track to them. And I'm sure that many of you by now have seen that Tokyo Disneyland has recently opened a Beauty and the Beast land uh, where they have an actual attraction of the movie. And you probably noticed that you're that everybody who rides on it, they're sitting in teacups and the teacups rotate around and they kind of dance to the music. Well, this is what I'm talking about with the advanced technology, because if you look carefully at the floor in that ride, There is no track. So you don't know where you've come from and where you're going to exit a ride. Um, In fact, um, when I went there, when I was standing in line, uh, I went in 2013. So I know that a lot of things have changed, but um, this still totally relates. I was waiting in line to redeem my ticket sent for the park. And I ran into some locals who recommended that I go on the Winnie the Pooh ride. And I'm thinking, okay, yeah, sure, I'll go on the Winnie. And I'm thinking, okay, Disneyland in California and Walt Disney World in Florida, their Winnie the Pooh rides are you you sit on a mobile and the mobile is on a track and you just go through the 100-acre wood. And it's a cute little ride. Uh, It's not like a big thrill ride or anything, but people are telling me to go on this ride and I'm thinking, you know, I I'm here to experience whatever I can. So I'm curious to see why this is the recommended ride at this park. Oh my gosh. So I got fast passes, which by the way, they do have fast passes there unless if things have changed. Actually, I waited in, in line first. I didn't get a fast pass because that was one of the first things I went on and oh my God. I was so amazed and shocked. So I got into this mobile and when I enter a room, I wouldn't know where my mobile was going to go. 
I didn't know if it was going to go to the, the the west side of the room or the east side. And I, it would be grouped with a bunch of other cars. So I didn't know where I was going. And so it made it extra fun. And I just got off that ride thinking my mouth was open the whole time. I was like in shock at how flipping amazing this ride was. And so then I got a fast pass to go on it again. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the technology there is just outstanding. I mean, I've never seen that. And I've been to the Universal Studios parks as well um, in California and Florida. And all of those and all the ones of Disney, I have not seen an attraction where there was no track at all. Now, granted, I haven't been to a Disney park since uh, 2015. It sounded like maybe the new Star Wars rides in California and Florida, especially the one in Florida. It sounds like they don't have tracks either, but they're not the first to come up with it. Tokyo was the first one I've seen where you're grouped with a bunch of other cars you don't know where your car is going to float to or when it's going to float there. But it's an opportunity for you to see different areas in a room um, in each part of the ride. And that's really amazing technology. Um, and, um, now, and now Beauty and the Beast has the same technology. And apparently I've heard that um, Tokyo Disney Sea, which we'll be discussing that today because although it's not considered the land or the magic kingdom park it does include cat it included castles when i was there so it had this land called arabian coast and it was themed after aladdin or they've also had a, a sinbad ride there um which is like a boat ride like small world but you're seeing the story of sinbad there you have that land and then you have another land called Mermaid Lagoon, themed after The Little Mermaid. It's Triton's Palace. And the palace is outdoors, but you go into the castle, and it's just this whole other world once you go into this castle. So besides those two castles that were already there when I went, and I'm sure that they wouldn't get rid of those anyway, they're planning to add Corona, which is from the movie Tangled, they're going to include the Corona Castle with a, a, a ride for Rapunzel and Eugene. And they're also going to make Arendelle, which is from the movie Frozen. And they're going to have an attraction for them there as well. And those two are going to be at Disney Sea. I don't know when, but they are coming. Oh, man. I want to go. <laughs> I want to go so bad. <laughs> I went in 2013 and I came back and told my, my mom is my Disney buddy. We, we like to travel around to the, the Disney parks together. She and I went to Paris together, but she has not been to Tokyo. And so we've been trying to go there, but we were going to go back in 2017 and things happened. And then we were going to go last year um, and then COVID happened. So and we kept getting delayed, so once everything opens back up, we're definitely making plans to go to Tokyo Disney, and hopefully we'll also go to the two China parks at the same time so we can say that we've been to them all, but we'll see. 
So the last Disney park that I have been to was actually Shanghai Disney, which is the newest Disney park. And it is huge. It is in development. The feeling I got is that there's a lot of space, which is kind of incredible considering it's in Shanghai, which is like one of the most populated cities in the world. But (laughs) they found a big piece of land outside of the city. And it feels like there's a lot of empty space so that they can add to it as the years go on. I would say the standout things for Shanghai, well, A, the castle is huge. It is probably one of, it is probably the largest castle. I would say it's between that and Florida, but it might even be bigger. And I really enjoyed, you can go inside the castle and there's all these mosaics of different Disney princesses. And it's very beautiful. Now, we're going to get really geeky about Disney stuff. In Disneyland, California, you can also go into the castle. Uh, Stevie, have you ever been on that little walkthrough that tells the story of Sleeping Beauty? I have. And, you know, I don't know how many times that they've changed that. I have to say, though, when I was little and I went to the parks, I really liked the windows that they have. When you go through this walkthrough and it tells the story of Sleeping Beauty, it shows scenes from the movie with a like a, a book next to it that has an actual description of what's going on in the story. And they used to have these figures or dolls in there to represent the characters. And I really liked that. And now they've updated it so that it feels more like it revolves around Maleficent. And uh, I, I liked the way it was before. I, I do like the new technology they added to it. I do like the little spooky things that they've added to it as well. But I wish it had the, the charm that the old windows used to have. Well, how do you feel about that, those old windows? Um. The last time I went to Disneyland, California was in 2012. And I believe that was before they made those changes. It had changed from when I was a kid. I remember it being really tiny and very, very simple when I was a kid. So I did notice there was a bit more technology, but um, I haven't been back since. So I haven't seen the new. I liked it the way it was, like the, I'll say the middle version whatever i saw in 2012 i thought was very charming and i really liked it Hmm. i can't remember when when that change was made so i have no idea (laughs) i feel like i've only seen two versions and i feel like i i was there in the middle when that walkthrough was closed because they were refurbishing it and making it uh turning it into this this other one so I, i i don't know But I will say, though, something I hadn't noticed before that I did notice later on. If you're facing Sleeping Beauty Castle and you walk through the gates and everything of the castle, immediately to your right inside the actual castle, there's this little resting room there. And it has like a couch that you can sit on. Nobody goes in there. So 
if you ever need a place to rest or take a break, I haven't seen it crowded in there, but it's a really nice little, uh, it, it looks like a little royal room and it's got a bunch of little things from the Sleeping Beauty movie. It's got flora, fauna, and Meriwether. They're flying above a, a crown that's there. And it's just a nice little room that's, it, that's in the castle and it's a nice little resting space. So if you want to get away and it's kind of quiet, unless <laughs> of people listen to this podcast and decide <laughs> to rush in there, but it's a little treasure that I've discovered. And I, I will say that's kind of nice. That sounds like an amazing treasure. This is the Disney tip of the day. And I appreciate finding those little places because sometimes it can get very crowded and very overwhelming. And sometimes there aren't a lot of places to sit down. <laughs> Yeah, I bring up that little castle walkthrough because that used to be one of the, it's not a secret, but it's one of the lesser known things that I would do in California when I kind of wanted to get away from the crowds or it was really hot. And yes. It was very interesting. They they have that in Shanghai, Oh, except it is scaled up immensely. It is not just... Uh, Sleeping Beauty it is all the princesses and it tells a little bit of each princess's story and the windows are very elaborate there's some screens and some animatronics going on and there's a line for the walkthrough <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny because there's never a line for that at Disneyland also in Shanghai they have the Tron ride which will be coming to Disney World. I'm not sure when, but Shanghai is the original place. Ah, okay. I've All been right. on it, and it was fun, but it is really short. It's cool, but it is, it's almost less than a minute long. You have to wait a very long time. So I'm not super thrilled about that. The ride I was super thrilled about in Shanghai is actually their Pirates of the Caribbean. I love Pirates of the Caribbean. It's so nostalgic for me. I love it. And the Shanghai version is very different because it is based off of the movies, whereas it's kind of this weird cycle of Pirates of the Caribbean because... The movie was based off of the ride at Disneyland. They have since changed to include elements from the movie. But in Shanghai, the entire thing is based off of the movies. The technology is incredible. It's maybe not as good as what you are talking about in Tokyo, but it is very, very cool. And there is a part where you are... Uh, in the in the original Pirates ride, there's a part where your boat floats out into this space between a pirate ship and a fort that are firing on each other. And in this version, you go out into this water and you go down and there's this huge screen. So it feel it looks like you're going under the water and you see pirates under the water and then you come back up. And there's two ships firing at each other. Oh my and gosh. Wow. It is very, very cool. They also have a Pirates of the Caribbean stunt show 
which is really cool. It is completely in Mandarin. And at the time, my Mandarin wasn't super, super great. So I didn't understand everything. But, you know, you get the main idea. The best part of that show is they have a wind tunnel. And at a certain point, there's this storm that happens. And two characters are in the wind tunnel sword fighting. So it is two actors who are basically floating in midair sword fighting and it was so cool (laughs) oh wow that's amazing you know the thing is disneyland paris when we go to a park we try to always go on pirates that's the ride that we always try to go on we went during their non-peak times so pirates was closed (laughs) we didn't even get to experience it and Um, They didn't have their specialty shows like they had their normal shows that were indoors and theaters, but I think they might have had Fantasmic at the studios, but we didn't get to see it. We also didn't get to see what their fireworks show was like. It was March when we went in 2012 and they were closed, so we we didn't know and that was kind of disappointing, but um, oh my gosh, Tokyo Disneyland has normal parades and stuff but tokyo disney sea all of their parades are actually in the water it's more like parade floats and they literally are floats because they're on the water they have like a, a little mermaid kind of circus Soleil like show but they have um i believe that that was in english but ariel was you know on a wire And she was, you know, probably lip-syncing part of your world. I think that was in English. I can't, maybe not. Maybe it was in Japanese. Or maybe Ursula, because they had, like, this huge robotic-looking Ursula. And it was just her hands and her head. They had those two songs in Under the Sea. It just reminded me of Cirque du Soleil versus if you had been to... um, Disney Studios and Walt Disney World and saw the Voyage of the Little Mermaid show there where you're just sitting in a a theater and there's a stage and everything happens on the stage. Well, I mean, this one, it was up in the air. So that was very different. I'm experiencing that. And the Arabian Coast, they had like a a magic show, but it was it felt like it it was made for kids because well, what first of all, I was given the opportunity to have a headset for when I'd go enter certain attractions that would translate for me. First, I went to this genie magic show and um, just watched it in in Japanese. And then then I was curious to see what the storyline was. So then I, I went back and I put on the headset and it was all translated in, in English. But I think most of the shows were in Japanese, but there could have been some parts that were in English. They had Fantasmic there, too, and there were some differences there. But I remember I bought the soundtrack for that, um, and their special song was They Had Friend Like Me. So Genie is like a big thing in in, uh, the Tokyo parks. I noticed when I go to like a different resort, there are different characters that are promoted more than others. Like um, 
Disneyland, it feels like there's their Magic Kingdom. It's kind of more like Aurora and Cinderella and and uh, Snow White are more prominently. Like I see them more often uh, than other Disney characters. Meanwhile, in Florida, I see a lot more Pocahontas. I see a lot of Hercules characters, and then Tokyo. There's a lot of genie, a lot of genie. And I know that there were issues with Robin Williams, and that's why you don't see a lot of genie merchandise or attractions around today, because there was a disagreement with Robin Williams, who voiced genie and the Disney company. And I think that's why we don't see a lot of him. But uh, one important thing that I should have said before that I forgot, uh, Tokyo Disney, the whole resort, which is Disneyland and Disney Sea. They're not actually owned by Disney. I don't know all the details on that. They're owned by a different company, but they somehow own the rights of all these Disney characters, these Disney rides. But then we'll see things that are not Disney. Like they have that Sinbad attraction, for example. Uh, Sinbad is not Disney. Uh, This isn't based on, I think there was a, I haven't seen this and I, I need to see this movie. There's a, an animated Sinbad movie that may have came out in the 90s. It's not based on that. Um, but they have a lot of things in the parks, in these two parks, that are not Disney at all. And even even their shops, like, uh, for example, in Disneyland, Tokyo Disneyland, I went into the shops just to see what they had. And you think about Disneyland and Walt Disney World, and you go to Frontierland, you go into their shop, and you'll see a bunch of stuff with Mickey, you'll see Pooh Bear, you'll see pins, you'll, I mean, think about the, you walk into a store, and there's like a bunch of pins in there, there's a pin shop in every Frontierland, um, and everything is Disney, like, it has Disney themes and stuff like that, well, you go into the Frontierland, in Tokyo Disneyland and you'll see stuff that is just random stuff it doesn't even have the word Disney on it there's no Mickey even not even a little Mickey a hidden Mickey symbol you'll see a merchandise like authentic looking Native American jewelry I found that really interesting I, I was not expecting that but it was also kind of refreshing because it made me actually feel like I was in a real frontier land. I wouldn't expect to see a bunch of Disney stuff. If I went on a frontier into a Western store, I would see like Native American jewelry. I would see um, wagon, miniature wagon things. It felt like I was going into an actual museum, but I could actually buy the stuff that was there. Wow, that is so cool. I love that. Did, did that ever, when you went to uh, Hong Kong and um, Shanghai, were their retail stores kind of like that? No, their retail stores were basically Disney stuff. But okay. yeah. as you were telling me about this, I did think of one thing that is very unique to the um, Shanghai and Hong Kong parks, and that is the food. The food is really different in those parks. Uh-huh. And it is very Chinese. <laughs> so in Hong Kong, there's a lot of, um, 
I'm sorry, I just blanked on the English word and I was thinking of it in Chinese. Ah, uh, egg tarts. There's a lot of egg tarts and that's kind of a, a Southern Asia thing. It's this sweet little pastry. And so there were a lot of those in Hong Kong. There's bubble tea, which has the, um, the chewy pearls in it. And then I really got a kick out of the food in Shanghai because there is kind of a, a pirate's area. There's a land called, Ad what is it called? Either Adventure Cove or Pirate's Cove. I'm remembering it all fuzzy now. But there's a restaurant there. And I went and the, I went to take a look. The atmosphere is so cool. It feels like you're in a bar in Tortuga because all the furniture is crazy and it has this piratey music playing. But the food is really interesting because in Southern, or that's in Shanghai, in China, they eat different things than they do in America. So you could literally get a piece of tentacle a piece of octopus tentacle. Uh -huh. It was called like the Barbosa or something. Oh. And it had, it's just like this huge chunk of octopus tentacle that you could eat and some other like fish with the head still on it and stuff. And I thought that was really, really interesting because it made it feel very piratey. Like I felt like Davy Jones was just going to walk in at any minute. Wow. But it is also something that a lot of people in China actually eat. So they can make a profit on it. Because I, I don't think that would sell very well if you put that in Florida. Yeah. <laughs> but it was yeah. so cool to just kind of experience a different kind of food. I don't remember anything um, like... Um like themed or like specialty related in Disneyland Paris. Um, they have a buffet actually that's right near the front of the Magic Kingdom Park, or maybe it's even outside of, I think it's right inside though. It's, it's like where across from guest services on main street, I, I think don't quote me on that. Maybe, maybe they've moved it by now, but they had a, an all you can eat buffet there that was really cool. And then, um, well, thing about France, or at least in Paris, when we went in general, um, you don't get refills on water. So my mom and I are very thirsty gals. <laughs> when we went to like, um, Champs de Elise, um, I may have pronounced that wrong and I'm so sorry if I butchered that, but we went to a restaurant there. Actually, no, it was Arc de Trump. There was a restaurant on the street right there. And, you know, we wanted to get authentic French food. And we had escargot um, and a cheese baguette <laughs> and uh, water. Well, it was like $8 for this glass of water. And once I finished it, I'd have to pay another $8 for, this for my next glass of water. So when we got to Disneyland Paris, we were, you know, very thirsty <laughs> and we, we were so happy. We kept getting refills on drinks. 
<laughs> and we heavily tipped the waitress. Now, I don't know if in in France, if that's considered inappropriate to tip. I learned in Japan it is inappropriate to tip. So you don't, if you eat at a restaurant or if you get a, a ride from a, a cab driver, you don't want to tip because that's considered rude. I, I learned that the hard way when I was trying to tip my driver. Um, <laughs> But I, but I learned, so I, I stopped doing that. It just felt so weird. But anyway, we made our waitress in Paris blush because she was not expecting this, this big tip. I don't remember there being a lot of food that was specific to France while we were eating there. I, I don't remember that. Now, with Tokyo, um, they did have some restaurants in the resort, in the parks that had sushi. I mean, only fair, right? But it wasn't all sushi. Um, when I went to Frontierland, they had like a little pizza shop. And like, I, I don't eat tomato sauce because I can't eat anise, which is in a lot of tomato sauces. Um, so they had this uh, clam pizza and it had like a garlic Alfredo sauce um, with clams on it. And that was really good. I really liked that. And it was, it was like $3 for a slice. So that was good. <laughs> but they had, they had foods that I wouldn't see in California or Florida, but they weren't like all specific to to Tokyo or to Japan. They weren't all um, custom Japan food. They were also weren't necessarily themed to restaurants. Um, well, maybe a little bit. I ate at the Mermaid Lagoon, or inside of it, rather. Um, they had a little restaurant in there, and I got some kind of a fish cake. It was like a fish patty, and it came on a bun that was shaped like a seashell. That was cool. Um, cool. I put a little uh, a little pearl in it, and like uh, an edible pearl, so you could eat it. So that was kind of interesting. Um, and in Disney Sea, they also have a little U.S. land. Um, I think it was themed after New York. It kind of reminded me of Hollywood Studios and the and the streets, you know, where the Osborne lights usually are. It kind of looked like that a little bit, but it was a lot. It was a smaller area than that, and they had like some U.S. foods, like um. Oh, I think it was a, like a Philly. It was like a cheesesteak Philly. I've never seen that in a U.S. Uh, park restaurant either. So I guess I want to say that maybe it sounds like Tokyo and then was it was it Hong Kong or Shanghai? The ones that have the food that's kind of themed like the area you're in. Tokyo is kind of like that, but Paris is not like that. Yeah, and in the American parks, it's barely themed like there's a little bit of theming but not much with the food <laughs> um you know uh, have you been to the new fantasy land area it's not new anymore it came out in like 2014 but the new fantasy land area in florida in magic kingdom park yes actually i have have you um, Gaston's Tavern? What did you think of the, the, the stuff that they had in there? I actually didn't look at the menu. We ah. went in and we took pictures in the big chair with antlers all around because 
that looks cool. But we um, we actually went for Mickey's not so scary Halloween party. Oh, and I don't even remember if it was really open for food at that time. <laughs> um, that is something I wanted to ask you about. Uh, we're probably going to kind of shift more towards the U.S. parks now, but mm-hmm. have you been to a lot of the special events and what do you think of them? Do you have a favorite? I like the Not So Scary Halloween Party just because I love to dress up. I mean, hey, free candy isn't bad, but I'm more for the I love dressing up. So that's my favorite. I have been to the the Very Merry Christmas Party and I mean, it was cute, but I I mean, and you do get cookies, but I I think it's because I love Halloween. I'm probably not a, not the right person to ask because I I just, I like Halloween so much. So that already gives me a bias towards it. (laughs) I also like the food and wine festival when they do it. I wish they would do it more at Disneyland though. They do it all the time in Florida every year in October and they do the best. And it's in Epcot. But um, I wish they would do it in Disneyland, too, for those of us who can't make it to Florida. How about you? Well, we are definitely the right people to be talking about this. Because (laughs) uh, I also really, really love the Halloween party. I worked at the Magic Kingdom. And so I worked the Halloween parties and... I worked the Christmas parties and those were some of my favorite memories of working there because they limit the amount of guests in the park and they change the music and the lighting. And I discovered very quickly the Christmas party's fine. I wouldn't pay extra to go to it. The Halloween party. Oh yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> I would say the Halloween fireworks are my favorite of all the firework displays. Mm-hmm. What did you think of the Halloween shows or the, the events that would happen at the Not So Scary? What were your some of your favorite things? I think my favorite things at the Halloween party were not necessarily the big shows, but were all these little details that would happen Um, For example, outside of the Haunted Mansion, they have a woman who dresses up as a ghost. And she'll just interact with the guests and and just talk to people. And that is really cool. During the Halloween parties, the entire workforce of the Haunted Mansion dress up. They have makeup. They have spiders and spider webs in their hair. And I really love, love, love the parade. Um, I don't know if they do this anymore, but when I was working there, they had the headless horseman ride through the streets on Main Street. And that always gave me chills. And again, I, I really like the Haunted Mansion. They have these dancers that mimic the dancing ghosts that are in the Haunted Mansion in the parade and that was always just my favorite part so yeah remembering specific things about magic kingdom in florida's not so scary halloween party it's kind of hard because i think i've only been there for 
too. But I've been to Disneyland so much more. And I, I was an annual pass holder from 2002 to 2015. So um, my favorite memory of the Halloween party there was um, they had this special party. I want to say it was in 2010, like this special little, I don't know if it was all part of the not so scary Halloween party, or if it was a special, I feel like it was a special night, but it was still part of the Halloween party because we could go trick or treating and getting the candy, but they had like kind of a, a dance party going on in new Orleans square and their little uh, restaurant there. And they had a uh, Jack and Sally from nightmare before Christmas. And they had, the Tremaine sisters, um, and they were, we were all dancing to like the electric slide and, and, and things like that. Um, and they also had um, the Mark Twain riverboat going around and they had fog going over that whole um, river, which it used to be called Tom Sawyer Island. And, um, then um, when Pirates of the Caribbean, the movies became popular, they changed it to Pirate's Lair there. So, um, but they had um, just fog going all over it. And I got on the riverboat. And who do I see, Kendra? But Claude Fro Frollo. Wow. And I'm, I'm on there. And, okay, he, he is, to me, he is the scariest villain in all Disney movies. Watching that movie, like, I couldn't watch it as a child because the hell the hellfire uh, song with the the guys in the red robes uh creeped me out and i didn't <laughs> watch that movie now i can sit and appreciate it it is a dark movie but um anyway to see him you know on the mark twain riverboat and we're going around you know riding it and they have some villains on it and they had him there and uh, just remembering that with the fog passing in front of him, that was like, it was epic in some kind of way. <laughs> <laughs> that was really my favorite experience, though, because I had not seen these characters and getting to interact with them besides just waiting in their line to take their picture. But to actually be like in a dance club where you see characters that you don't see that often, like for people who haven't been to Disneyland in California, you don't see the Tremaine sisters or AKA the ugly stepsisters from Cinderella. You don't see them a lot in California. They're, they're in Florida and that makes sense because it's, you know, Cinderella's castle. I mean, you'll see Cinderella sometimes in Disneyland, but you won't see the stepmother and the stepsisters. So it was just a really cool experience to see them, but then to be dancing you know, doing that with Disney characters, that, that's a whole experience in it of itself. I think that is the beauty of the parties is that they have the characters out in an interactive way versus now during the regular times, they're at the end of a huge line. Yeah, well, and even then now, um, I don't know if you've seen, but it looks like because of COVID, they have the characters on a stage and you can take a selfie with them, with them in the background, but that's kind of it. 
So now you have to wait in a long line and you can't even, you know, hug. But I understand why. But um, I'm not really a uh, the the picture taking um, with characters and autograph person. I'm someone who likes to go around taking pictures of of attractions or neat things that I see. So it's not a big deal for me, but for someone who really loves to do that, the experience has drastically changed. And I hope that it goes back to the way it was when COVID is more handled and taken care of. I agree. And now it's time for a random quote from our guest. Hi, welcome to the Jungle Cruise. This is Stevie, your Skippy for the day. And to the right, you will see the second most dangerous animal in the world, the African elephant. And to the left, you'll see the most dangerous animal of them all, his mother-in-law. What are your top three favorite lands in any Magic Kingdom? Okay, I can do this. I love Adventureland. I love the music. I love the theming. I love the Jungle Cruise. I have a very soft spot for New Orleans Square because it's just a really unique design. And I love the look of the Haunted Mansion. And I will say I love... The specifically, <laughs> I love specifically uh, Tomorrowland in the Florida Magic Kingdom because I really like the music. And also, he has retired, but when I worked there, there was Push the Talking Trash Can who wanted to become mayor of Tomorrowland. I would see him a, a lot of. Uh, sometimes when I was working or I would introduce him to guests who would, I remember specifically some guests were looking for him and I found him and, and then I introduced them. So I have very fond memories of Tomorrowland. How about you? Okay. Well, I, when I was little, of course, I, I fantasy land, I loved fantasy land. Um, but, um, Interestingly enough, uh, my favorite land in a traditional Magic Kingdom park is New Orleans Square. For the same reasons you said, I, I mean, the look is very unique and beautiful. And when they dress it up for Christmas, too, the, the colors are just so vibrant and bold. And when I'm looking out at Pirate's Lair slash Tom Sawyer Island, especially when it's the end of the day, it's just, it's really peaceful to just look out over that river. I, I really like that, but I do also like Adventureland too. <laughs> Disney Sea, I, I, I did like some of the lands there were really cool, but they're only unique to Disney Sea. They do have the Lost River Delta. I think that's the name of the land and it's got an Indiana Jones ride there. But it reminds me a lot of Adventurelands, but it's a lot more spacious. And it's not like the one in Disneyland is, is Adventureland is really, really tiny. And then 
Um, this, it's so spaced out. It's got maybe two rides in it, but there's so many trees. I mean, you just feel like you're, you're not even in a Disney park. It feels like you're, you're a tourist in a real land. Like that's, um, really cool, but I love the Mermaid Lagoon and the Arabian Coast there too. But if I had to tr choose traditional lands from Disney parks, it would definitely be, a New Orleans Square and Adventure Land. This is why we're friends. <laughs> yeah. And we didn't even know. We didn't even know this about it because we always, I don't think we've ever hung out in Disneyland. We've only hung out in Walt Disney World. So we, I don't think we would know, knew this about each other. So that's really cool. <laughs> that is. Oh. Well, you know, speaking of haunted mansions, out of all the ones that you've been to, what is your favorite and least favorite version and also throw in um if you've been on it the nightmare before christmas version at disneyland that happens between halloween and christmas time ah oh, this is hard <laughs> i think i will say my favorite version is just the regular version at disneyland in california it's a little bit longer than the one in Walt Disney World. So, and I also have more memories because I did not visit Walt Disney World in Florida until I was 20 years old going to work there. Mm -hmm. So all of my memories are of Disneyland. I really like the architecture and I would say my least favorite is actually the Nightmare Before Christmas version. Um, I don't know why, because I do like the Nightmare Before Christmas, but I remember one time, I've only been on it maybe twice, because there was only one time that my family visited when they had that set up. And I remember going on it and thinking, oh, slightly disappointed that I couldn't immediately get back on and ride the original version. Um, you need to get out of my head. Excuse <laughs> 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 me, but <laughs> um, I, I have to agree with you on, on both. Although um, Disneyland Paris is just so... It's so different and so interesting that I feel like because it's got, it has a storyline and the storyline kind of follows the bride more. It's not just the bride appearing in the attic, but it's like the bride, the, her husband dies, she's devastated. And I think this character that represents death asks her for something and then she goes into the underworld to visit him. That's, I think that's kind of a sum up of what the Disneyland Paris Haunted Mansion is. Okay, Tokyo has the same outside as Florida. It has the same exterior, but it's located in Fantasyland, which is weird. And it's got some of the same elements that Florida and the old Disneyland version before they, they updated it and everything used to have. Like they have the old bride that doesn't say anything. The one, the one that you were talking about in Hong Kong, that 
is completely different. But the one in Disneyland Paris, like I feel like that one and the one in California are tied for me. Um, but the original, I like the original version. I don't like the one where the bride is is talking because she doesn't look reali realistic as a ghost. I think the original one that didn't talk was more scarier to me. I totally agree. Okay. <laughs> I, I was gonna, I was kind of going to go off on a tangent about the bride. So for people who haven't been on the Haunted Mansion ride, there's a, in the original Disneyland one, there's this part where you go up into the attic of the Haunted Mansion and there's just this ghost in a, a wedding gown with this red heart that's just beating. And that is, yeah, that's my favorite version as well. And they changed, did they change that for Disneyland too? It's been a long time. Well, no, since Disneyland, they definitely changed it. I don't remember if they changed it for Florida. That's the one I'm not sure. But Disneyland, they definitely changed it. So, I mean, the bride was always at the end of the attic. And you would just see random, you know, weird, scary things when you're passing through the attic. But um, and, and then you'd see this bride ghost at the end with with the a blue face. And, you know, she wouldn't say anything. And she had a heart that was beating. And it could it could coincide with the movie that they made with Eddie Murphy, um, with the storyline that goes with that. But then they changed it to. You can tell that it's a Caucasian bride. This is the new version now. There's there's um like about five portraits in there with a with the same bride and different groom in each picture, and the head would mysteriously disappear from the groom, and you would be hearing phrases in the attic like "I do," and she would be making jokes at um till death do us part. And, and, and you'd hear things like that, that sound, you know, they're regular wedding quotes, but then with the way she's saying it, and then the head's disappearing, and then at the end, you see this bride holding an axe, so you know that she's been decapitating her husband, <laughs> but I mean, it's not like it's a bad idea, it's just that it, the original ghost seemed creepier. It, it just felt, and it, it even felt more realistic. Like, the face doesn't look real to, to me. It looks like it's a video proje projection. So it doesn't work as much, so it's not effective. That's why I don't like it. And I would also say from a storytelling perspective, like, it's interesting to have there be a story now of the bride is the ser serial killer. <laughs> but I, I liked in the original you don't know what happened. And it's it's kind of like she could be sympathetic. Of she could have died really tragically or something yeah. really sad. I always felt sad. Like there was something very sad about her. But exactly. Yeah. Not necessarily menacing. And I think I liked the opportunity to let me imagine the story instead yes. of having it spelled out <laughs> yes and then even with that eddie murphy movie coming out and the bride being an integral part of it because that original bride was so open to interpretation it could have worked with the movie and it would have been okay but they made this change and 
I, I don't know. It seems more silly. I don't, I don't know. Not as serious and not as either scary or somber as, as you said, but, but that bride, the original bride was still in the Tokyo version. I do agree as well with the um, nightmare before Christmas. I had been on the ride before I had seen the movie and I wanted to know what the heck the deal was with that cat that appears throughout the whole thing. I thought I thought the cat was an integral part to the story. And when I realized that it was only a single gift that children of the earth got <laughs> for, for Christmas from Jack Skellington, I was kind of disappointed because I thought he played a bigger part since he has a huge part, it seems, in, in the ride. But it doesn't feel scary. It feels sweet and cutesy. I think it's good to keep it. I think it's good to have a different thing. But I wish that it wasn't there for Halloween. Because that should be the scariest ride or one of the scariest rides. And when you make it the, the, the nightmare before, the way it is, you know, and it's Halloween turning into Christmas. But it, it's so cutesy like I don't feel afraid like I want to feel a little bit of of fear or, or creepiness when I go in there and it just doesn't feel creepy that uh, Nightmare Before Christmas version well, what about waiting queues out of all the um, Magic Kingdom parks that you've been to what is your favorite and least favorite uh, waiting queues I love this question. Thank you so much for this question. And I have an answer. My favorite waiting queue is for Indiana Jones and the Temple of the Forbidden Eye in California, Disneyland. It is so cool. And I haven't been on it in a very, very, very long time. So I think my brain has probably elevated it to a higher level of coolness than it actually is. But I remember the first time I went through that queue, I was about 11 and I was terrified. You go through this jungle part, you enter into a cave, you enter into this temple and there are skeletons around. There's these interesting murals. There's my favorite part is you're in this hallway and at the end of the hallway, there is this beam that is kind of holding up the ceiling and there are spikes on the ceiling and it says, do not touch. And if you touch it, because of course you're going to touch it because it says don't <laughs> touch. Yeah. <laughs> the ceiling moves down like it's going to impale you with these spikes and obviously it does not but it, it goes down maybe about 10 inches or so and I just love that the the actual ride is kind of short but waiting in the queue is part of the experience for me and I still get chills going through it you need to get out of my head <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, that, um, I have to say that's my favorite queue too. Although I haunted mansion in Disneyland is also really good. I had a friend who, who said it best. The California version is better and scarier because once you get through the stretching room, you have to wait 
in a creepy hallway to get on the ride. Meanwhile, uh, in Florida, you have you, once you go down, there's you know just a walkway um, basically that curves, and it's you hop on the ride. So that's like my second favorite. But Indiana Jones, oh my! And um, I want to throw in too. In Tokyo Disney Sea, they have an Indiana Jones ride there too, where totally different intro, but it's just as like amazing looking and, and, and decorated. I think it's called Indiana Jones and and the Crystal Skull. A lot of the ride is very similar to the Temple of the Forbidden Eye in California. The look of it, the the uh, the queue line. The entryway to it, it, it's completely different and, and amazing. I'd almost say they're tied, but I can't remember how interactive it was. And you're right, like that Indiana Jones one is so interactive in any every way. You could be stuck there for a couple of hours and you can, I mean, it, it is the best. <laughs> what is, what do you think is, is the your least favorite that you've been on or through? That's a good question too. I'm going to say some of the ones in Fantasyland, the ones that are just cues. I think those are kind of boring. <laughs> yeah, I would I was going to say um my least favorite is probably Peter Pan. Um that is oh. I have to say that's the shortest ride. I I I think that's the shortest attraction out of all of them. And the line is hardly ever less than 45 minutes. And there isn't a whole lot to look at. I mean, there used to be, I don't know if, if she's still there, but above Snow White's Scary Adventure, the queen, the evil queen used to pop her head out the window and, you know, look down on the queue at, at Peter Pan. So it was cool, you know, to have that. But I've heard that they've now changed Snow White's Scary Adventures into... Snow White's Enchanted Wish or, or Tales or something like that. It follows Snow White's story now and it's got a, a got a happy ending, I hear. But I don't know if the Queen is still up there. But that was like a really memorable thing about a Disney Magic Kingdom in Disneyland was seeing the evil Queen looking out her window like she does in the movie. Now that they can tell you how long the wait is on a line. I think I've seen it at three hours long. Kendra, what are your first memories of the Magic Kingdom? I first went to Disneyland, California, when I was eight years old, and I had no idea what it was. I hadn't really seen a lot of commercials, and I loved it so much. My dad took me on Space Mountain, and which is a roller coaster in the dark with very loud rock music playing. And that was the first roller coaster I had ever been on other than the little kitty one at, <laughs> at a local theme park. I got off of that. And my eyes were as big as saucers. And it was like, can we do that again? <laughs> and I distinctly remember, I might be getting this mixed up, so I don't know exactly which time. We went several times when I was a child, and I don't think it was necessarily the first time. But I remember one time when we were eating soup out of bread bowls in New Orleans Square, mm -hmm. and I thought, I just want to live here. 
Like, this is what I, I want to live at Disneyland. <laughs> and I would tell people when I went to work at Disney World, this is my dream. Like, this is as close to living at Disneyland as I can get. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> How about you? What are some of your memories? Uh, my first memory... I'm going to say it was either in 1994 or 1995 because The Lion King had just come out. And I only remember this because the stuffed animal that my parents got me was a Nala plush. My mom said that I went to Walt Disney World when I was one, but I don't remember that. (laughs) And I I was probably at Disneyland when I was younger than that, too. But I remember um, in Adventureland, in Disneyland, Jasmine uh, was my obsession. She was my favorite princess. (laughs) Loved her a lot. Um, They had an Aladdin show in the Adventureland. And it was also a dining experience. So we had, I can't remember the food, but dessert was a chocolate lamp with chocolate mousse in the inside. And I remember getting that Nala plush at the Small World store and going on the train, leaving there, Fantasyland, and then going on the monorail that took us directly to the Disneyland hotel where we looked around. We weren't staying at the hotel, but we were just wanting to see what was there. That and oh, <laughs> um, getting my picture taken with my mom and dad. It had to have been 1994, actually, because that's when my brother was born and he hadn't been born yet. And maybe maybe the Lion King hadn't come out yet, but they were still selling the plush. So anyway, we were getting a picture on Main Street. And it had Genie in the background and it had Aladdin, Jasmine, Abu, and Carpet in the foreground. So I still have that picture. It's hanging up in my room. But those are my first memories of Disneyland. What is your favorite castle out of all the Magic Kingdom castles? Mm. So I have a really soft spot for the Cinderella Castle at Walt Disney World. And um, it's ironic that you should ask me this because you are part of the memory. I love the Christmas lighting for Cinderella's castle. It is so beautiful. It looks like icicles just dripping everywhere. And one of just my favorite memories of the castle is the time... I think we had probably been at Epcot or something. Uh, You, me, and our friend Dan, and our friend Muhammad. And for some reason, we all decided to go to Magic Kingdom. It was very close to closing time. And we just hung out around Main Street and took pictures of ourselves in front of the castle. And that is one of my favorite memories. And so I would say that. I have a very strong connection to the Cinderella castle. Oh, well, you've gotten out of my head now. (laughs) (laughs) What is your favorite castle? So out of the Disneyland parks, my favorite castle, that's the icon of the park is actually the Disneyland Paris one. And 
the reason why is I like Disneyland because it, it's so colorful. And I like liked Florida because of its size. It's much bigger than Disneyland's. Um, but the colors were very dull. Now they're now they've actually repainted it. So now it look it's painted like the Disneyland castle where it's got the it's it's a pink castle instead of gray. But a Disneyland Paris incorporated both. It's taller than the Disneyland one. It's very colorful and it's got the stained glass windows. And I've always liked vibrant colors and I, so I've always liked stained glass windows. And then this castle, um, you easily see stained glass windows all over the castle. And then to have it have the dragon underneath. And it has a dragon underneath. I don't even think, uh, I mean, it's not the first thing I think of. I think about the colors and the stained glass windows. And I like the build of it the best, too. Mm. But like that's my favorite of the icon parks, but um, I'd say the my favorite castle out of all the Disney parks is actually the Mermaid Lagoon Triton's Castle uh, because it's rainbow. It's rainbow colored, unless if they've changed it, but it's rainbow colored. It's adorned with seashells. It's nothing you've ever seen before, and it's got a whole land inside of it it tops everything but i would say you know favorite castle is ariel's castle i'll just call it that or if i had to choose between all the icon the 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 castles that are the icons of the park i would go with it's aurora's castle at disneyland paris basically the result of this podcast is I really, really, really want to go to Tokyo Disneyland and Disney Sea. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and I want to go to I want to go to all the international parks again. I want to go to Paris and Tokyo again, but I need to go to Hong Kong and Shanghai. <laughs> How about we end with magic moments? What have been some of the most magical moments for you? at any of the parks? A short one is when I went to Magic Kingdom in Florida for the first time that I can remember, of course, which was when I was a senior in high school. (laughs) I was collecting Stitch and Ariel things at the time, and there was this mystery pack. And the cast member um, at the register actually opened up the boxes until we found Stitch and Ariel. Oh, wow. That really impacted me because I was not expecting a cast member to, to do that. I, you'd never expect a worker to, I don't want to call it damaging, but I think that, you know, for, for someone who's looking for certain characters who, you know, they Disney does the blind box things so that people spend more money trying to get what they want. But they were willing to sit there and open up the ones until we found the ones that I wanted. And believe me, I will not get rid of those. <laughs> but um, of course, that cast member may or may not be working there. And I'm not going to say where it was or when that was. But um, that was a magical moment that, you know, the cast member did did that upon themselves. 
um, to make that happen for me. I, I had another one that was similar, but they didn't open the package. I was looking for a genie violation and they knew how to tap the box or something and tell me which one had genie in it. And sure enough, he was right. <laughs> that was just some magic put on because merchandise cast members, we've both been one. I don't feel like we get the opportunity to really give magical moments as well as either characters can or character attendance or maybe park rides because we're the ones that you spend money with. Um, so for merchandise cast members to actually do that for somebody that was going above and beyond and they didn't have to do that. And, you know, especially the one who opened the things, but um, that, that was really nice. Of them. Now, before a, a magic thing that happened, that was, that was really <laughs> unusual, but funny and memorable. I used to Disney bound, um, as a pirate. Okay. 2002, we started getting an annual pass. And after a few years there, we would get through all the rides that we wanted to get to. And there was this one trip where I was there and I, I told my mom, I don't know what it is, but I feel bored. I, I mean, I don't want to feel bored, but I feel bored. And so what happened was the next trip, I started Disney bounding as a pirate. Um, not full on, but like I would wear um, like a fake earring and wear a bandana and I'd have a lanyard that had a medallion on the end of it. The first Pirates movie medallion, it was a keychain and I hung it at the end of the thing and I wore some bracelets. Um, so we were walking from Frontierland in Disneyland uh, up to the gallery that's in New Orleans Square. It's not a gallery anymore. It's a private apartment. They used to have portraits there, but now it's like a special place like Cinderella's suite where people might be selected to stay up there. But at this time, it was a gallery where anybody could go up there and see Disney art. Well, I was walking. I was ahead of my mom and uh, we're walking through crowds and I heard occasional laughter or snickering or something I didn't think of anything of it you know I'm at a theme park <laughs> so I keep walking and I get up to the stairs and I'm maybe halfway up the stairs and the laughter has gotten louder and I'm thinking what's going on you know I'm I'm not thinking the worst or anything I'm just what's going on so I look behind me expecting my mom to be there. Who would be there but Captain Jack Sparrow? <laughs> and he's followed me through, through um, Frontier, like, like, I guess he was on the border of Frontierland in New Orleans Square. And I don't remember <laughs> if I saw him at a, at a character meet and greet, and he decided to, but he decided to follow me. And I turned around and then he looked around like he was looking at someone behind him. <laughs> that was just so cool. Like I know it wasn't it wasn't anything special like a gift for me or something, but I guess a memory is a gift. It yes. was just so silly and funny. And then after that, I just dressed up like a pirate when I went to the park. Didn't matter if it was Halloween or not. I would be wearing uh, a pirate hat 
with pins in it. I would have that same lanyard and a t-shirt, but I would have like a pirate jacket on, fishnet stockings, boots. Um, I'd wear like a headband man- bandana underneath that had beads that hung from it. I'd go full out whenever I went to the parks and I'd always be hanging out like in New Orleans Square and Adventureland when I'd go to the parks. Those were that's where I'd like to be when I would go to Disneyland, uh, especially at night. But um, that's that's what I was doing. <laughs> Stevie, Stevie, get out of my head. What? I, I used to do that. Like one of the last times I I was 18 and I had been in a play about pirates. So I had made a pretty elaborate pirate jacket. And we went to Disneyland. And for about two days, I wore a pirate jacket and a hat and a bandana. And I bought uh, a ring front with the Pirates of the Caribbean medallion on it. And I just wore that around. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> Well, what about what about you? Um, what is, what are some of your favorite magical moments that you've gotten? There are so many. I'm trying to narrow it down. Um, okay, this is a small, small slice of all the magical interactions, but it was actually that time when I was wearing pirate regalia, and we went to California Adventure. We were walking around and I saw this trash can rolling around and there were like these kids. I thought the kids were rolling it. I don't know. I couldn't really understand what was going. But as I walked past, the trash can said, oh, look, it's a pirate. And that was my first time meeting Push's cousin who lives at California Adventure, who is a, a rolling trash can. So that was then when I met Push at Tomorrowland in Walt Disney World, um, I instantly wanted to be friends with him. <laughs> but, but that was just so weird and random of like this trash can that just rolls around and talks to people. And I was dressed like a pirate and it was funny. And so that was that was fun. And then I will say a lot of the magical moments that happened were when I was working there. And it was interactions with the guests. And so I was working outside in Frontierland. There's this outside, um, I want to say pavilion, but that's the wrong word. Anyway, there's this place outside where you can sell stuff. And I was there and this little girl came up to me and um, Her parents explained to me that she had a a mental disability, but she really wanted to talk to me. And so I I went out and I went to talk to her and she wanted me to sign her autograph book. And this is a very common thing is there's specific autograph books you can buy and you can take them to the characters and they'll sign it. And it looks really cool. Like Pluto's has a paw print and like they look really cool. And she wanted mine. And I'm, I'm sorry, I'm choking up as I'm saying this. That's I don't so know strange. why she wanted my autograph, but that was the greatest honor I ever had. 
That's so sweet. And you know, the thing is, when you become famous, someone's going to have your autograph out there. <laughs> so little That's girl, if you're listening, we're, we're still waiting for me to become famous. Hang on to that piece of paper. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> wow, That's incredible. <laughs> yeah, we've got a lot, a lot more things to do. We should probably do have a part two and we might even have to have a part three. I agree. We're kind of running out of time, but we are definitely not running out of stories. Uh, Stevie, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me about Disney. You're welcome. And thanks for having me. Do you um, want to plug anything today? Yes. If you want to find me, I am on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, but mainly Facebook and Instagram under Possible Anythings. Or if you'd like to see my specialty Disney stuff that I create, my Instagram account is Fairytale Musical Fan, all one word. And I will have links to those. And Stevie does some really cool stuff with uh, Disney dolls and Photoshop and a bedazzler. And if that's not enough to get you into her Instagram account, I don't know what will. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to The Patchwork Girl and Friends. Make sure to check out the artwork I make for every episode on Instagram and Facebook. You can support the Patchwork Girl and Friends by using the Anchor app. And you can also use the Anchor app to send me random quotes and recommendations that I can use in future episodes.